following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Herd and Ten podcast. Here's your host, Jake Fratinsky. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Herd and Ten podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fratinsky. You can find me on Twitter at jfortinskynfl. You can also check out any of our dedicated social media accounts, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, just search Herd in 10 or Herd in 10 podcast and we will appear in your search. Please give us a follow or like our pages. We really appreciate the support. And as always, if you're listening on Apple podcast, take a moment, hit those five stars, give us that five star rating. It will really help the show and continue to support the show and grow it. Let's get right into this week's episode. I'm going to dedicate this part of the episode to the Bills schedule. It was just released. I'm recording this on Thursday. It was just released last night. So let's just do a quick review of that. And later on in the show, we're going to actually have a Bills beat writer, Mookie Hawkins. And we're going to talk all about the draft, all about training camp, what we should expect from the rookies, and all those types of things. Let's start with the preseason. If you don't already know, the NFL preseason has been reduced to three games. Of course, it's always been four games for a very long time, and now it's going to be three games. What's interesting is the schedule was actually not moved. So preseason is going to be starting the same time that it would normally start, And then there's going to actually be a two-week gap between the final preseason game and week one of the regular season. So in the preseason, the Bills are going to be taking on the Detroit Lions. And then they're going to take on the Chicago Bears. And then they're going to finish preseason playing the Green Bay Packers. It seems like the Bills always play the Lions in preseason. But I don't know. Anyways, I just want to take a moment here to just talk about What I think is going to happen in preseason, I think a lot of players are going to get an opportunity to prove that they should make the roster. The Bills have a really good roster and a really deep roster. So it's not going to be easy for either free agents or rookies to actually make the roster. I think it's going to be a really challenging time, but I think they're going to get a lot of opportunity. Now, I know there's only three games, so there's less time for those players to show off. But I think those players are probably going to get more snaps in week one, in week two, in week three of preseason to prove themselves. I think that like every other team in the NFL, the Bills understand that there's only three games to evaluate players. And they're going to treat that in the sense that they're going to allow these players to play a lot more than they normally would. I would imagine that week three, which is normally the brush up for the starters, maybe it will actually be week two 
that the starters play a lot. And week three, we may see a lot of the backup players, bubble players that are trying to make the roster. They're probably going to be playing. And I think the biggest name that's going to be trying to make the roster is Jake Fromm. I don't think anyone really knows what he brings to the table. Not just me as a fan, not just you. But I think the actual Bills organization doesn't really know. They haven't seen a lot from him. There was no preseason last year. I think he's going to get a really good opportunity in preseason to show that he's good enough to make the roster and that the Bills should have a third quarterback. Because at this point in time, we don't know which direction they're going to go in. There's no question or it's likely that Mitch Trubisky is going to be the backup. The question becomes, do you keep Jake Fromm as the third? Well, preseason is going to be his opportunity to prove that he belongs and that the Bills should keep him knowing that Trubisky will likely be gone after this season and we will need a backup. And if Jake Fromm can be that on a rookie contract, it's a dream scenario. Now let's get right into the regular season. The Bills start off week one playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not going to review every single week. I think that's something I'm going to do closer to the season. But I just want to give a little brief on each game. I think this is a tough game. I don't think it's an ideal way to start the season playing a tough opponent like the Pittsburgh Steelers, but it's definitely going to whip the Bills into shape for week two, which is against a divisional rival in the Miami Dolphins. Then jump to week three. The Bills are taking on the Washington football team. The Washington football team should not be a team that we sleep on. I think they actually might be better than a lot of people expect. They also have a competent quarterback now in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Moving on, they take on the Houston Texans. And then the big game, Sunday night, prime time against the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. So that's a tough, tough road game. And it's the first prime time matchup for the Bills of the season. Then the Bills go on week six. Again, they're in prime time Monday night against the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. Then they got their bye in week seven. Then from there, they're taking on the Miami Dolphins again. So they've now played the Dolphins twice before playing any other divisional opponent. I think that's a little interesting. You don't see that so often. It is definitely a unique schedule in that sense. Then they go on week nine to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then only in week 10 is the first time that they see the New York Jets. It's pretty wild to think the Bills are going to go through the first nine weeks without even playing the New York Jets or the New England Patriots, but playing the Dolphins twice. They then take on the Indianapolis Colts, who could be good, might not be. They were obviously a really good team last year, but they have a new quarterback now in Carson Wentz. Don't even know if he'll be healthy by week 11. So I'm curious to see what happens there. And then the Bills have another primetime matchup. Week 12, Thanksgiving, Thursday, 8.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time against the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. That is a really exciting game. I'm actually hoping to go with my family to that game, go with my brothers and my dad to that game because that would be an awesome game to be at. And I doubt the Bills are going to be playing in New Orleans in prime time on Thanksgiving for a very, very long time. 
Then again, they stack the Bills on with another primetime matchup against the New England Patriots. It's a Monday night game, and it's actually at home this time. So that'll be nice. It'll be nice to come home, have that home-cooked meal, get ready to pummel the New England Patriots in week 13. Moving on to week 14, they take on the Super Bowl champs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's going to be an interesting one. It's actually a 4.25 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game in Tampa. Then you got week 15. This is an interesting one because it's a flex game. It could be moved. Next up, we got week 16 against the New England Patriots. I'm going to be very curious to know if this is going to be a big game. I don't know if the Patriots are going to be that good this year. But I know that this game will probably, well, I think this game will probably be a meaningful game. Probably more meaningful for the Patriots than the Bills. Week 17. And no, it's not the final week of the season. Because remember, the league has added a game. So it's actually a 17-game season, 18-week season because of the bye. So week 17, Bills take on the Atlanta Falcons. And then to close out the season, they're going to take on the New York Jets in week 18. And that's not going to be till January 9th. So the season, they didn't bring it back. They just let it keep running. So now it's a week later than it would have been. It's going to be an interesting year. It's so strange to think there's going to be 17 games. If the Bills go 13-3, nope, can't do that. 13-4, 14-3, I guess we'll see. That's where I'm hoping they're going to be at. Hopefully they're going to be similar to what they were last year. Maybe they get lucky enough and get a bye. So that's it for this part of the episode. I really just wanted to break down the schedule. I'm not giving any predictions now. It's way, way too early. But I just wanted to break that down. And then really the main part of this show is going to be just after a quick break. We're going to be talking with Mookie Hawkins, Buffalo Bills beat reporter for 1080 AM. He's such a great guy. I had such an amazing chat with him. I think you're all going to really enjoy it. He's so insightful. He's so in tune with what's not only going on with the Bills organization and the management, but he's so in tune with what's going on in players' minds and what we should expect from those players. I'm a fan just like you, and I want to know from a reporter what he sees in the Bills draft, who he thinks is going to be great or who he sees a lot of value in. But then also the flip side, who he doesn't like. He talked about players that he didn't like. He wasn't happy with everything the Bills did. But he was happy with some of the things they did. He was happy with some of the picks. So I'm excited to get to him, because I think you're all going to really appreciate what he has to say and the enthusiasm that he brings to this show. So thanks for listening to this first part of the show. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we get back, we'll be talking to Mookie Hawkins. Thanks. It's the gift-giving season, and now there's a great card game that gives you action on any televised football game you watch. Just add your family, friends, and fun, and you have The Drive. Playthedrive.com. If you miss The Drive, you miss the party. Playthedrive.com. Hey, Bills Mafia. This has been a crazy year with a lot of changes. Good changes like the Patriots not sitting at the top of the AFC East. 
but this year has certainly brought some challenges and has made it harder for us all to connect with our fellow sports fans. If you are a big sports fan like me, then you need to join this new sports fan community called Playing the Field. Playing the Field has developed a dating and community app centered around our sports fan lifestyle. It is a great sports-focused interface from their profile training cards in your favorite team's colors down to their bubblegum in-app currency. The best part is that right now, while they're still in beta, it is 100% free to join. And you also get extra in-app bubblegum that you can trade in when their premium features get added in a few months. Go to playthefielddating.com and sign up now to buddy up, recruit teammates, or find your MVP. Also, be sure to check out their podcast, The Fan Experience, where they interview sports fans just like you and me and let them share their fan experiences. The Fan Experience is live Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can catch the replays on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can't have a team without a mate. Go and find one now at playthefielddating.com. Welcome back to the Herd and 10 podcast. As we mentioned earlier, we have an exciting guest who we have had on in the past in Mookie Hawkins. Mookie, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good, ma'am. I'm feeling good. I can't complain. Uh, it's, it's May, uh, it's OTA season. So you know, I'm really excited to see um, what the Bills are going to do with this year's mold of clay. We had quite a bit of time, exciting draft stuff, and then the draft ends and things kind of get quiet. And I don't know if fans are still around. I don't know if they're listening to this show this week. I hope they are. I hope they're sticking around. I think we got a lot of great stuff to talk about. I want to start with the draft. Now, last week's episode, I really just focused on the top pick and Greg Rousseau, but I want to talk about some of these other guys. I really want to get your take on who you think was the best pick, who's maybe the worst pick. And then we can really dive deep into maybe some of our expectations. And if we have high expectations for any of these guys, so why don't we start with who you think was the best pick and maybe we, we can include Rousseau in this. Maybe he's your top guy. I'm really curious to know who you think was the best pick for the bills in this draft. Um, the burglar, you know, Brandon Bean, he continues to steal. I mean, when when you even look at baby Bruso, all right, you got that baby Bruso. <laughs> um, when you look at the production, we looked at the production the year before, he was sank it behind Chase Young. We all know what Chase Young is doing in the league right now. So you get that production. If you go out the same year Chase Young comes out, He's basically a top 10 pick. So we really got to steal at 30 with this guy. I was in favor of Uwe. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was, I, I love the speed. There's no way you can, you know, teach speed. But when you look at the pros and cons of both of those guys and the tell of the tape, first of all, his limp stood out. Guy's six, seven, then there's six, eight. He's huge, a size 11 hand. So if this guy gets his mitts on you, it's over. You're not going anywhere. 
All right. So, you know, that's a nice big mold of clay that the Bills can do a lot with. And, you know, a kid hasn't even scratched the surface yet. So you get a guy that big, uh, he's kind of like a DeForest Buckner type, but more prone to be on the edge. And you're going to see how much that length plays a factor when he is inside. So the Bills have a good idea of what they want. You know, Brandon Bean spoke about that, you know, in the presses after the draft. But you look, you, you, you like that pick. Um, even Boogie Basham, to get that guy at 61, some had him, you know, a, a first-round pick. You know, you still get that type of guy in, you know, in the second round. So it's like you got your best available guys on the board still, so you're going with that. They easily could have went uh, a cornerback, and we understand what, what the Bills, you know, depth chart looks like at that position. But game was one up front. So I don't, I, I don't mind any of those picks. Um, even – Spencer Brown. I had Spencer Brown listed in one of my mock drafts. Um, they just want to keep bodies. They want to keep guys off Josh Allen. It shouldn't take that long if they could get their hands on those guys and use their length, you know, to keep guys away from Josh. And they went out and got two bookends, um, you know, Tommy Doyle from out of Miami, Ohio, and Spencer Brown, you know, the nasty, the nasty mauler at 6'8", at man. So we got a guy that's nasty in the run game, first of all, you know, at 6'8". You know, Craig mow that lawn, you know what I mean? So they got some solid picks, but the one that's really intriguing to me the most is the safety out of pit. Safety out of pit. To me, he he could be the best pick in the draft out of the Bills uh, draft class. Um, you had to lose Dean Marlowe. You know, we wish Dean Marlowe well. And um, But you get a guy that's a little bit more physical and a little bit more better in coverage. Look at his highlight tape, and I only know it's just, and I know it's just a highlight tape, but what comes off to me as, hey, you know, he has great ball skills. The instincts are there. He definitely has good technique, and he don't mind, you know, you know, making tackles in open space. Based upon what I see, I have to go and watch a, a couple of games. I got to see them against Clemson, see what he did against Clemson. I had to see what he did against uh, uh, Florida State. You know what I mean? I need to see, you know, two solid games of him then I can really make a fair assessment. But based upon his his attributes, the Bills got to still that sick. And I think he he can be, you know, it's not going to be easy. They still got Josh Thomas from Appalachian State that's on the practice squad. And, you know, they still got J.J., Mr. Turnover Chain, you know, vying for that backup spot. So it's going to be real intriguing competition, but he's one to watch. Um, as far as the worst pick, um, I would probably say the cornerback out of Wisconsin. I think, you know, just due to the fact that the Bills should have got a cornerback early, you know, but I guess, you know, the best available player was still on their board at that point. It kind of got, you know, I don't want to say like a poor man's type of corner deal because this kid played at Wisconsin now. And Wisconsin was one of the top defenses in college football. But, you know, you do have the injury and he hasn't played much. So, I mean, is that a bad pick and get him at six still? I don't think so. But, I mean, you know, if I had to choose who would probably be the Bills' worst pick, it would probably be. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I really want to <laughs> first start off with what you said about the safety and DeMar Hamlin because that guy's not afraid to get dirty. And I think the Bills need that. You and I talked about this months ago that mm -hmm. the Bills were missing that attitude on their defense. Maybe Hamlin brings that. And it's an interesting one because I don't think a lot of people were talking about the safety position because we know we have great starters. 
but we don't really have that depth. We lost Dean Marlowe, and I don't think people realize how big of a loss that might be. Depth on a team like this, especially a team that's hoping to go far in the playoffs, you need depth because you're going to have injuries. Hopefully mm-hmm. nothing too serious, but guys are going to go down, and you're going to need some backups that can step up, and maybe Hamlin's going to be that. And, of course, like you talked about, it, the value. You're getting him so late. It's hard not to like him. If the guy makes the team and can actually play, it's an absolute steal. Right Now, when we look at some of the other picks, this is where I'm a little concerned and maybe I'm just conflicted because when I look at what the Bills did in the first two rounds, I want to focus on that right now. They went and took two defensive ends that both have great potential, particularly in Rousseau, given just his sheer size and speed. You know, he's... He's listed here at 6'6", 266, but I've seen him listed at 6'7", 270. He's a big and fast dude, but he needs to develop. So you see a similar kind of story with Basham. There's definitely, he's probably more NFL ready, but he also needs some development. I thought that the Bills would go in the direction of not developing guys because they feel, or I feel like they're ready to go to the Super Bowl, and maybe they don't need to be developing guys. But I'm conflicted because at the same time, I also know that if the Bills want to be good for a really long time, they need to get guys that are maybe not ready yet, but that are going to be ready, and that you're getting a guy at 30th who should have probably gone in the top, you said 10, you know, let's say top 10, top 15. That's great value. And again, Boogie Basham. Maybe he could slip to the end of the first round. We obviously end up snagging him in the second round. So there's opportunities there. I feel like when you look at what the Bills did, they took the best player available. They didn't care about the position. And I know that that's how Bean has always done it, but it's really, really frustrating because you want your certain positions that I felt like we desperately needed. And I'm just not convinced that we've solved them. The cornerback. That's a perfect example. You even brought it up. Rashad Wild Goose, okay? Firstly, the name. I I can't get past that name. And he is a little small. At 5'10", I see he's listed here, 5'10", 190. He's not a huge guy. And the Bills really desperately need someone opposite Trey White. And I still don't think they have someone there. Maybe they're going to get a veteran, but I just... I wish they would have spent a little bit of a higher pick for a guy who might not be a superstar, but we need a guy that can start day one. And we still don't have that. Am I crazy in being a little frustrated with the way being handled, at least the upper tier of the draft? I know everybody was probably going through anxiety when they took Boogie Basham, you know, with the second pick. And then they double back and get the tackle on the third, but we're going to stick with the top two picks. So we all know when you look at the Bills depth chart, you have the two starters right now, Levi Wallace, Tredavious White. Backing them up, Dane Jackson, Cam Lewis. You can't count Saran Neal and Teron Johnson because they're slot. So two outside, we only have four corners. We don't have enough pieces there. At safety as well, we had the same scenario. So you would figure that you do go ahead and get Tredavious White a running mate. Right. So, but he stayed true to the board. And it's just like, I, like the, the, the whole body bluff was we don't need rookies to be an impact. But what their understanding is, Bean is understanding his roster right now. 
we don't need impact guys right away. We have a team full of starters that got us one game away for the Super Bowl. We do have guys whose contract will be up at the end of this season. So let's go get their replacements right now. Be rotational guys, develop into a starter for next year. So now they don't miss a beat and they ain't got to worry about developing. Now, one thing I can say about this coaching staff, McDermott's coaching staff, they have, they, they, they can develop. They can develop. And that's, that speaks volumes to a coaching staff. When you can draft guys, know what you're drafting, identify what you're drafting, how it fits in your scheme and makes it and make it work. Make guys pro bowlers, guys like Matt Milano. You know, I mean, prime example, you develop him where, hey, he could have went anywhere and got 15 million. His market value carried that, but the bills developed that, turned him into that. You know what I mean? So he stayed loyal, gave him the hometown discount. That's love. You know what I mean? But in nature of the business, he's playing somewhere else right now, top dollar. You know what I mean? So they have developed the guys. Even just look at the roster, man. Year three, and this is what I say about Dawson Knox. Everybody thought the bills need to go grab a tight end. Why? Dawson Knox is only year two. Wait till year three. Things click for, if you look at how the bills develop, Year three is the year where it just clicked and the guy just turned into a dog. Deion Dawkins, year three, dog. Josh Allen, year three, last year, dog. He was a dog before then, but his year three, off the charts. Teron Johnson, year three. Look at how he's transformed. The year before then, we was talking about we should get another nickel, right? We ain't, think, we ain't talking about that anymore. Like even Tredavious White. He was one one vote away for being defensive player of the, of the year. He should have got it, but he didn't. But year three, Dawson Knox, year three, wait and see what happens out of Dawson Knox this year. They just finally get it. So the Bills know how to develop. They know how long it takes for them to, to get there. And if they don't, they move on. You know, they move on. That's just as simple as it gets. So you create quality depth pieces. You look at Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes. Both guys are 33, 34 years old. One-year deals off of the contract. They're not going to renew. Jerry might stay on for another year. I don't see Jerry Hughes going to play nowhere else. You know what I mean? He'll stay, stick around for the hometown discount, try to get that ball, retire maybe. Who knows? You know what I mean? But they're going to train those guys to be pros. Mario Addison, you know, he did that in Carolina for them. He has no problem doing that here. He got his bag at the end. And, hey, you know, he turns into Trip Murphy after that. You know what I mean? But – they want to keep them fresh for the money downs, like uh, Brandon being reiterated how their role is going to be. They felt Mario Addison did play a lot of snaps than usual. So, you know, he wasn't accustomed to that, especially not being properly conditioned in the COVID season. You know what I mean? So it exposed a lot up front where they needed those guys in the money downs late in the games, late in the season. They just ain't had that juice. They ain't had that gas. So go get, go, man, re-energize with the youth movement. You know, so now we're stronger. We're faster, we're quicker up front. And now we just got to figure out what we're going to do at D-tackle. You know what I mean? So don't worry. Don't be stressed out over the corner situation either because there's still some free agents out there, my guy. Yeah, that's my hope is that they're still going to solve that cornerback position. But it's true. You make a really valid point. It's hard to ignore that the D-line does matter and we got a lot of fresh blood now. And Mm -hmm. the COVID-ridden season for sure impacted the veterans more than it did younger players. There's no question that Addison, regardless of snaps, was going to have a tougher season with the COVID stuff. He's nearing the end of his career. And, 
maybe getting his huge bag of money, maybe he didn't have the same motivation, but it's true that, that the COVID stuff really played a part. And maybe, maybe we're overlooking that, or maybe I'm overlooking that. Maybe some of these guys that didn't impress last season will be better this year. But it's true. It is nice to see that we can develop players, that Bean and McDermott can develop players. Now it takes time, but look what we have now. We have an incredible team that is probably going to be a perennial playoff team. And that's because they drafted guys who a lot of us didn't think would be good and ended up being, like you said, dogs. They're superstars now, a lot of these guys. So it makes a huge difference. What I want to turn to here is rookie minicamp. So we're recording this on Tuesday. So rookie minicamp hasn't started. I just pulled this up. It says rookie minicamp starting May 14th and it will go till May 16th. So we're going to get a look at what these rookies are made of. I'm really curious. We haven't brought up this name yet, but it was the Bills sixth round pick or the first sixth round pick. Speed. And they took Marquez Stevenson. What's your take on Marquez Stevenson? Because He's at 5'10", 180, not a huge guy. We know the Bills receiving core is loaded. But I said this before the draft that I'm fine with the Bills continuing to build on that receiving core, especially given how many injuries we had last season and hearing that Diggs was hurt throughout the playoffs, which we didn't even know. He had a torn oblique. You had Beasley basically hobbling all over the field. So we need some depth. Is Marquez Stevenson a guy that can actually make the roster? I mean, he's got to have an impressive mini camp and an incredible training camp to make it, right? Because it's going to be tough. Well, when you look at the Bills' previous drafts, majority of the guys that they draft make the team. You know, it's kind of hard. For, it's like, who didn't make the team that they drafted last year? Everybody just about made the team, right? Yeah, they, they keep everyone. You know, the years past, like Tanner Relayshow was probably him and, and um, Pro Son. There's only two I can remember. You know, it's basically, you know, they, they, they normally keep their draft picks, but you're right. You got to look at it too. You got to look at it. Next year, the year after that, Beasley, you're, you're, you're out, you're one year deal right now. Sanders, one year deal. Okay, Gabe Davis, you're on a contract. You're going to get your shot. So it's going to be Steph Diggs and him. McKenzie, one-year deal. So you got all these guys on one-year deals. Beasley's at the end of his career, too. It's time to start thinking of quality depth piece that we can develop. And then turn him loose, to, you know, year three, year two, year three. And, you know, he's performing at a high level for us, under contract, you know. <laughs> so, you know. The Bills are thinking smarter, getting quality debt pieces at a, what you call that, a, a surplus price. <laughs> you know, and they, and they, they, right. they, know what, they know what they're going after and they, you know, they want to develop that and, you know, compete for a spot. You know, that, that receiver room is, 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 is a deep room as much as the defensive end room, you know, and so it's going to be very intriguing to see, but potentially, okay, we can go out on, on a limb and say, yeah, this is uh, Beasley's uh, potential replacement. But he do return kicks and punts, so he's a threat to McKenzie as well. So it's going to be, you know, special teams. Once again, people underestimate how the Bills really address special teams. You know, it's a third of the game, and they 
are one of the best at it. So, you know, they are doing some of these some of these moves for special teams as well. I think the Bills, when you look at them, obviously they have a great team, but to continue that, you need healthy competition. And sure, Marquez Stevenson is probably not going to start, but if he makes the roster, which hopefully he will, hopefully the Bills can continue that trend of keeping pretty much all of their rookies. Now, we know it's going to get tougher because as the team gets better, it's hard. You, you run out of those depth positions. But if he does make the team, you got the guy locked up for a few years. And if he can develop and become something, then it's going to be big because, yeah, we got an aging receiving core. It's a great receiving core. Don't get me wrong. But it is not going to be great for very long because, like you said, they're getting old. I mean, we did lose John Brown this year. We've replaced him anyways with Emmanuel Sanders. But there are spots to be had. And if a guy shows up and shows out, He's going to make it. And that's something that the Bills, I think, have done such an amazing job of. And we did not see this in previous Bills management organizations, which is if a guy plays hard and does a good job, he's going to get a job and he's going to get paid. And that's something we never did before. Deion Dawkins does a good job. He gets paid. Trey White does a good job. He gets paid. Milano does a good job. He gets paid. That's the way you build a culture where guys actually care to stay. Because there was many years where guys would want to get out of Buffalo as fast as possible. As soon as their rookie deal was done, it was like an instant decision to just leave. We don't see that anymore. And we're even getting some, I would call them hometown discounts, right? We've gotten a few this past offseason. You talked about Milano. And these rookies are excited to come to Buffalo. They're excited to learn from great players. And that can't be ignored. A guy like Marquez Stevenson is going to learn from Stefan Diggs, who was the best receiver in the NFL last year. There's a lot of value there that I don't think we always think of. But when you have a great team with great starters, those starters are willing to teach younger guys. And I think Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes are going to play a huge part in whether or not Rousseau and Basham can actually succeed. Because both those guys need some significant development, particularly Rousseau. And that's not just coming from the coaches. It's got to come from their teammates. And if their teammates are close to retiring, they're going to be thrilled to teach these guys how to play with them and play the style that they want them to play. That's something also that I like to see. Although it was frustrating to see those top two defensive ends taken in the first two rounds, those guys can now be developed into what we want them to be because they have not had significant development in college. So now the Bills take them and they can mold them. They can tell Rousseau the style of defensive end they want him to be. They can take Basham and do that too. And this is my last point I want to bring up and I want to get your take on this. Boogie Basham, he's a defensive end, played a ton of games in college. I think he played like 45 games. So he's got a lot of college experience. But the team in Wake Forest moved him inside quite a bit. And he actually had a lot of success playing inside. And you said the Bills maybe still need to solve that defensive tackle situation. We really haven't seen Ed Oliver take the leap that we hoped he would. Do you think the Bills might consider getting Basham to gain a little weight and then play inside? Especially just because the defensive ends room is now so loaded. Is that a possibility? It's a possibility only if you need him to 
if Ed Oliver goes down, you slide him over as a three tech. But they move him inside more or less on, 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 on passing down. Look for scenario. Imagine this. Russo left defensive end. Basham uh, playing, a, playing a, you know, with a one tech in the, in the passing down. Oliver Espineza. That's your future <laughs> pass rush up front right now. You know what I mean? So um, it could be temporarily. You know, this is just could be for, again, one year. You got Harrison Phillips' contract is up. Zimmer, you know, he's flashed. His contract is up. Styler Tulele, contract is up. Vernon Butler, contract is up. You got four D tackles next year that contracts is up. So maybe the Bills might want to address that in the draft next year. Go ahead and get the best one tech guy in the first round. So it's like playing with house money at some point. When you consider to be the elite and New England's been getting away with it for years, you know, the good players eventually will fall to you, you know, and you don't have to do much on your board. That's why Bean stayed true to his board. It just, man, it was just like Slim Pickens. I can't believe he's still available looking at my roster. Your roster is full. So now you just stacking the deck with all these, these BPAs that eventually you hope that they pan out, but you got quality depth, something that we talked about and, and at a, basically a lower value, you know, so you can't bypass that product. You got to get that too. It's like, I want more, you know? So, Hey, you, the problem was addressed. We didn't get to the quarterback enough. So you look at it. Coming out of this year's draft, the Bills got two of the top five edge rushers in the class. <laughs> Who would have thought that? You got two of the top five edge rushers in the class right now. So, you know, that, that, that holds a lot of weight, you know, but it's just not to be seen this year. Check a couple of years down the line, you know, we could potentially have, with Espineza now, three of the best, you know, defensive linemen out, and they'll be under contract. It'll be a situation like, you know, San Fran D-line with Buckner and, 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 and Bosa and all those guys, that whole front four just, just wreak, wreaking havoc. So, bigger is better. And, you know, getting a guy like Boogie Basham, he's a veteran. He can play inside with his hands. He has strong hands. He has a motor that won't, you, you won't quit, you know. And, you know, that's what's going to get him on the field. I, I mean, he's, he's, he's quitting Jefferson. Just put it that way. Right now, Boogie Basham is quitting Jefferson. He's quitting Jefferson replacement, you know, so that's how I see that is, but he's strong enough to come off the edge too. So that's another dynamic piece the Bills can, you know, play with on, on rundowns. You know, then you bring guys in, Mary Adelson, that's, that's, that's so fresh. His veteranship is going to, you know, make it worth the money. You know what I mean? So uh, he earned his bag. I don't think his lack of motivation is just, hey, it is what it is. It's old age. So, you know, you got to make sure that guy is ready to play at a high level. And you don't want him hurt because then, you know, you waste the money that one. So you got to, you know, follow it all the way through. Whatever you like it or not, got to do it. You know what I mean? So this is the Bills' best way on making it make sense. It's amazing how greedy I've become because you talked about, look, the Bills got two of the top five defensive edge rushers, and I'm not happy. That's a good <laughs> sign, though. I think if that's the kind of stuff that I'm complaining about, I think this is great. If I have to find content to complain about, we're in a good position. <laughs> I used to be able to complain about the quarterback, how the Bills always are seven and nine, how I haven't seen a winning season in decades. 
Now I'm complaining about a defensive edge rusher. It feels really good knowing that the Bills are in a very good position. That regardless, and, and you've said it now multiple times, regardless of what happens with these rookies this year, it doesn't really matter. We have our starting core for the most part, and these guys are just depth options. Yeah, they may have to step up for a few games if someone's injured, but ideally, not one of these guys is going to have to start 16, sorry, 17 games <laughs> plus. But look, we'll have to see what happens, but I definitely think there's, there's a lot of potential here. I think that's how we can leave this, is that regardless of whether you like the picks or not, we have a lot of potential. We got some guys who are upper talent in low draft picks. We got a lot of value in this draft and mm -hmm. it's value that's probably more long-term value than short-term value. Oh, with, with, without a doubt, man. You can even say that more perfect. When you really look at it, now, the draft, it wasn't sexy. I, but when you really look at it, Najee Harris is gone. Even NTN is gone off the board at this point. So you, you, you got, okay, Uwe was there once again. But the, when none of the dynamic, sexy pieces was there. So you stay true to your board, even in the second round. Those guys is not, I mean, do we take Melifonwu right here? Eric Stokes went in the first round. You know, so it's like, mm, let's go ahead, Boogie Bash. I mean, just too good to pass up on my board. Like, just for instance, we know we have our starters, right? Okay, Jerry Hughes or Addison goes down. Who's replacing him? Oh, our number one draft pick. That's quality depth. <laughs> well, your number one draft pick is replacing your starter. That's a quality depth piece. It's not like we're bringing a guy from the practice squad to replace Mario Adams. You know what I mean? It's still a question mark there. Would you you would feel more comfortable to know, hey, oh, first round pick, get in, the, get out there. Then okay, practice squad guy, get out there. See, it's a it's a it's a difference for me even <laughs> how it even rolls off. You know what I mean? So. Quality debt was this year's draft. That's the quality debt pieces, guys that are, that's going to develop for one year and turn into starters, you know, eventually. So you get that this year, and you might get a little bit of that next year, depending on, you know, what the Bills still do in the offseason. I mean, this is a rookie mini camp starts. This is a fair evaluation to see what 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 they need to go and get. You know, this is, might not be just it for them. I'm quite sure it's not it for them. But this is going to give them an idea on where to address the remaining parts of this roster and free agency. Maybe it might be another big splash. Maybe not. You know, but this rookie minicamp is definitely going to tell a lot for the first time in a long time of OTAs. We're finally going to have some football and some clips to watch. That's what I'm really excited about. And we're going to see what these rookies are made of and what they bring to the table. And we're going to know, yeah, where they stand, if they're going to make the roster, who we need to bring in. And obviously, like you said, they're going to be bringing in other guys. There's no question. We just don't know how many. And that's going to depend on how these rookies actually look. I'm actually also interested to see, and it won't be in rookie minicamp, but I'm excited to see Jake Fromm a little. The guy's got basically no chance to do anything because he was riddled with COVID stuff last season. Didn't oh, get to play a single he, preseason. I think, he, I think he might be throwing in rookie minicamp. If I was a coach, even if I was Jake Fromm, I'd be like, hey, coach, you think I could 
get that because I I wouldn't hor- I wouldn't be mad if all the, the last year's draft class be at, at One Bills Drive right now. I'm quite sure they are. <laughs> I just you know I'm quite sure they are. You know what I mean if I was them I would be because now I get that. I get that OTA that I didn't get last year. You know what I mean? You want to you still got to get ahead of the game. I'm quite sure AJ Espinosa, the Bills are probably told, telling those guys to report there. I mean, I would. If I was a rookie from last year, I wouldn't want to participate in that because I didn't get that. I need to get that. You know, it's part of the process. It's smart. You're you're missing out on a development opportunity. Yeah, I look, I I don't, yeah, I don't know if they are or they're not. They definitely should. I agree. I think that it makes sense. You got very few snaps last season. Why wouldn't you? It's just extra practice. If you really want to get better, that's the kind of thing you have to do. And if they're going to let those guys come out, this rookie minicamp is going to be a lot more exciting. That's for sure. So Mookie, thank you so much for coming on. This is great chat. It's always good to have you on. It's always just a casual fun chat. So thanks so much for coming on and go Bills. Not a problem, man. Anytime, man.